Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 152 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me. All right, we are about halfway through our Kickstart series on this podcast. These are the live recordings of me teaching inside my Weight Loss Kickstart Challenge that I offered at the end of August. Um, and there was just so much good content that I knew you guys, the podcast listeners, some of you who may have missed out on the challenge, would also benefit from it. And so I wanted to share it with you. Now, if you were in the challenge and you have listened to these already, as I've said before in some of the other episodes, I encourage you to listen again. You will take away different information. If you have listened to this stuff once before, listen to it again with the eye of what else can I take away? What else can I apply to my own journey? In today's episode, what we're talking about is how to actually get started with stuff, what gets in our way of getting started, and how to measure progress as you're making changes, as you're getting started with your weight loss or getting started with a new approach to your weight loss. How do you measure your progress? And I know the scale is the answer that'll come up to your mind by default, but what if it's not the best way? Uh, let's talk about the ins and outs of the scale and how to apply it and uh, is something that I talk about in this session, how to use it so it's actually helpful for you. All right, let's get going to the episode. Don't forget to access the free course that I reference in some of these recordings uh, that gives you additional information, additional videos with me teaching these topics. They're nice and concise, uh, easy to watch to get the highlights. And an additional workbook. So you can take everything you're learning and kind of work at it at a deeper level with the workbook. Head over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash kickstart to access that. weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash kickstart. All right, let's get to the episode. All righty. Hello, 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 guys. Welcome. Sorry, I was just setting up the live stream there. Happy Labor Day. Happy Holiday Monday. We start school here tomorrow, uh, so it's today's kind of a big day for us of just uh, that final day of summer holidays, waiting to um, get into all the craziness of back to school. I realized this weekend that my son's activities all start this week, where we're also starting school up, and my husband is also away this week, and I'm like, ooh, that's going to be a fun, busy week, isn't it? <laughs> going to be some adjusting. Okay. Happy Monday. Type into the chat. Tell me where uh, are you guys just starting back to school? I know some of you have been back to school uh, in the States. I know you go back a little earlier than us. Um, how's back to school going? And you know what? Type into the chat too. This is a good question. How does back to school usually influence you and your eating? Um, because I think that back to school is almost like a new, another New Year's. So sometimes it's like a great time for change. And it's kind of why I did the challenge over this time um, that I did. But it also, as I just referenced in my own life, it can be quite a busy, hectic time. So sometimes it can also influence, you know, make it so you have less time for yourself, less self-care time, and that can negatively influence your eating and your weight. How does it usually show up for you guys? Type it into the chat for me. While you type that in, and if you're on the Zoom call, remember, click that blue button that says hosts and panelists and change it to everyone so that everyone on the call can share and see what uh, what you're talking about. Okay, so let's talk about um, just kind of housekeeping. So we're more than halfway through the challenge. Uh, our next live session after today is on Wednesday morning. And in that session, no, sorry, I think it's Wednesday morning. I'll have to double check. It's on Wednesday for sure. Uh, 
on that session, what we'll be talking about is kind of next steps. So we've covered a ton of stuff in this challenge, but then what do you do next? How do you, what are some of the, you know, stumbling blocks you might encounter? Uh, how do you work around them? And what does it look like to take everything that we've worked on during this challenge and span it out long term? How, how do you actually start doing that? Um, because that's when it starts having really big impacts on your life. Uh, you know, 10 days and shifting your thoughts. And I love what you guys have been talking about in the Facebook group um, in response to the post. I think it was yesterday about, you know, what have you learned so far? and What are you still working on? I think you guys are like, it really comes across to me that you're picking up and learning like really big sort of fundamental changes in how to approach your weight and your eating. And then the, what we're going to talk about on Wednesday is how do you keep that going? Because to do it for 10 days is one thing, but to keep working on it, keep changing it is another. Then there is one last uh, Q&A session for the challenge on Thursday afternoon. Uh, afternoon, my time, it might be evening your time if you're in the East. And the purpose of that is just to sort of give you a last opportunity to ask me questions. That'll be the last live session for the challenge. Uh, so if you have questions about the content that we've been working on, um, then... Uh, come to that session or there'll be the opportunity if you can't make it live to post in the Facebook group so you can tell me what questions you want me to answer. Um, and that's just like just a final one to make sure that you kind of got all the questions answered. There will be a Q&A session on the weekend next weekend. So Stress Eating SOS is my physician-only coaching program. It's a three-month coaching program. Registration for it opens up on the weekend. Um, and if you've really enjoyed what we've worked on and you really like my approach and you're thinking, okay, this, like, this sounds like it's going to work for me and this is what I've been missing, then Stress Eating SOS really is uh, the next step for you because that's where you get the support, the coaching to go deeper. We've, we've done a lot in this challenge. I've packed a lot of stuff in, but it scratches the surface of what we cover in Stress Eating SOS. So just start thinking about whether or not that would be something you'd be interested in. And if you are interested in it, there'll be an opportunity to do a Q&A specifically about stress eating SOS on the weekend. You might see that showing up on your calendar. Uh, this is the, um, the other thing to think about if you are kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe I'd be interested. Join the waitlist for stress eating SOS. Uh, that is at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS. Um, and joining the waitlist means you get access to some extra bonuses. Plus, we'll tell you as soon as the door is open. And the reason why I'm bringing this up today is there is a bonus coaching call on tomorrow evening. So tomorrow at 5 or 5.30 my time, I can't totally remember, which would be like 8 or 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. And what that is, is slightly different from what these sessions have been where it's more me teaching. These are more teaching style sessions. Coaching session will be really more interactive where you could come on and I could coach you directly. It's an opportunity to try out what does a coaching program actually look like. Um, and so it's a really good opportunity to have access to, uh, you know, an expert coaching session. So if you're co contemplating stress eating SOS, join the waitlist so that you actually can try it out and you can try out a coaching session tomorrow night. And that's weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS. All right. What we are talking about today is what gets in our way of getting started? Because it's really one thing for I'm like, okay, I want to make these changes. Um, uh, and I want to, you know, change how I'm eating or I want to change how I'm exercising, whatever you're wanting to change. It's one thing to have those intentions of doing it, but then sometimes it feels really hard to actually do. It feels like taking that next step to do it there's some sort of barrier and tell me in the chat if you've ever experienced this where you've got like really good plans, but then you're like, why can't I actually do them? Like, it seems like I want them. I have reasons why I want to do this, but I can't actually do it. That's what we're talking about today because this is a kickstart challenge. So the idea is like the skills you need to just get going. And part of that is like, what gets in our way of getting going? That's why in the in your online course that you have access to, there's a whole video about it is what's getting in your way and how do you problem solve that? And I've got some good tips about it. I was just going to look in the chat here. 
So AP, you're saying you don't start till Thursday and Friday, but looking forward to more structure um, and uh, that you really enjoyed this summer, but also looking forward to them going back, which is great. Yeah, I've, I miss the structure of the school year. During the school year, I get tired of the structure, but at this point in the summer, I'm like, uh, just being back with that routine and just, you know, all the days having a routine instead of, I think in the summer, I feel like I need to be packing more in, um, like, oh, we need to be doing more family stuff. Like even when I'm working and the kids are home or the kids are in camps and it creates a bit of stress, I think. And then Mary, you're saying, um, had to do first criticism about this program. So it sounds like that criticism came from somebody else calling it just another diet. Um, and I think that is a great thing to bring up uh, because I feel like I'm trying to remember. I feel like I've talked about other people's opinions in one of these sessions, maybe the Q and a, I can't um, totally remember, but that's really good because as you go along, if you're losing weight, if you're making changes, not everybody around you is going to be keen on doing the same thing, right? And that can feel hard. Plus, people around you may have opinions about what you're trying to do, like what you're talking about, Mary, that they might have an opinion that this is just another diet and may tell you that you're not, you're not going to be able to do it successfully either. And that's okay. Learning how to navigate other people's opinions about your body, about your weight, about what you eat, um, all of this is a really important skill for long-term weight loss. When we, um, when we kind of think that we're dependent on the other people's opinions or that they have power over us, then what that does is it you know, you can be going along feeling great, building momentum, and then somebody can just say something and it can totally throw you off course. And that's how we've often done it, right? Part of this mindset stuff that we are working on and that I've been teaching you over this challenge is recognizing that somebody's what somebody says and what somebody thinks is their own thing. You can then choose what you want to think about what they've said. So when somebody says something to us and we feel, you know, hurt or doubt um, or, you know, whatever that feeling might come up when somebody says that, what's actually happened is they have said something. We have had a thought about what they said that then creates a feeling. And this is fantastic news. Because you can change how you feel about somebody else's actions by working on your thoughts. So if somebody comments on what you're eating, like eating low carb, lots of people have opinions about low carb. Um, and so, you know, if you're trying to eat low carb, like I do, and somebody says, well, that's going to kill you or that's unsustainable. I've had to develop thoughts about it that then let me feel the way I want to feel about how I'm choosing to eat. And so... I think, honestly, the thought I use is that's their opinion. Um, they're allowed to have their opinion. I get to have mine. Or, you know, maybe Mary for what you're talking about, where it's somebody who really, like, of course, it makes sense that anybody would look at what we're doing on the outside. Anybody who hasn't been listening to these sessions and reading emails and stuff, of course, they're going to look at the outside and go, oh, that's just another diet. That's all you're doing is changing what you're eating. Because they can't see inside everything that you're shifting and changing. So that might be a helpful thought is like, of course, they're going to think that. That's okay. They can think that. I know differently. It might be a way to think about it. Tell me if that helps, Mary. Um, I think that brings up just another thing of as you go along with weight loss, people will comment on it. Uh, and that in its own right can be uncomfortable and it can trigger eating. And so it's something to notice. and. Um, sort of decide how you want to handle it ahead of time. I know when I lost my weight, honestly, every patient visit was about my weight. And it was extremely uncomfortable for me because I had, back when I was working on losing my weight, I did not talk about my weight. Like the fact I talk openly about it and openly about my eating struggles has been since I started the podcast. But when I was actually working on it, I had a lot of shame about the fact that I was work, having to work on it. And so I did not talk openly about it. So when people started talking to me about my weight and commenting how I'd lost weight, 
Um, and it was happening like at almost every patient encounter. It was super uncomfortable. And it took a lot of really working on how I was thinking about it to let it just kind of roll off me and let myself not make me and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and it still happens. Like I've been maintaining the same weight for years and I still get patients commenting on it, um, which is like their intention is nice, right? But when you've struggled with your weight, it doesn't always feel nice to have people comment on your weight. Yeah, and Mary is saying thoughts are everything in this process. Absolutely. If you can hold on to that, like it all comes back to the thoughts. We're going to talk a bit about that today too. That's huge. Um, thoughts are everything. It's a really good way of phrasing that, Mary. Okay, let's talk about back to why does it feel hard to go from good intentions to actually taking action? And the big number one thing is essentially perfectionism. Now, we as physicians are very high achievers. We're, work, we're used to doing hard things and driving ourselves fairly hard. And what that means is most of us have some form of perfectionism. We may not always recognize it, but it's, it's there in some form in most of us. And where it comes out with weight loss is we think it's all or nothing, right? Like when I'm going to start losing weight, it's all changing. Like everything has to change. We go from maybe eating out a lot and not preparing meals and eating, you know, less healthy food. And we're like, on this date, I am going to be preparing all my own meals. They're all going to be whole foods. All the kids are going to love it. <laughs> right? And, uh, and I am not going to snack at all. And I'm not going to touch another unhealthy thing. And so we create this like really black and white when we start, like it all has to change as of this date. Type in the chat if you identify with this, if you're like, uh, yeah, I've done that. But the problem is, is we're busy. We've got a lot on our plates. And so when you think about it, think about how difficult that sounds. Like the way I phrased it, if you're sitting there wanting to make that change and you also then have your practice of medicine, maybe you have some call, you have to deal with kids. How difficult is that going to be? It's going to be pretty difficult. Like, and so of course you might not want to start because what you're defining as starting, what you're setting the bar as, is this what is what needs to happen to start? It's really high and you don't have energy or the time to do it. And so then it becomes tomorrow, next week, I'll have more time. Next week, I'll have more energy. And then the week after, you know how it gets moved out like that. And you know, what I want you to think about is that when you're starting, not everything needs to change. Probably when you start, it's only one or two things that need to change. Like what you're talking about, Mary, if all that changes from this challenge is you realize the power of your thoughts in your weight loss process, it's going to be huge. It's going to have ripple effects that you can't even see right now. And this perfectionism is a big issue. Like I said, we don't always recognize it, but it comes, it shows up in a lot of areas of our life. So this is a good example of it, but it's something we coach on a lot in stress eating SOS because it, it shows up and it can be a big driver for eating too, right? Like if you're setting these high standards for yourself and then the realities of your life is it's really hard to actually make that standard, um, then that then triggers eating. So it's kind of a two-edged sword here is that it makes it hard to start. But also if you hold these high standards, then it can trigger eating. And it, and that's true if these high standards are in how you're approaching your weight loss, but they're also true about how you're doing your work, what you're setting your standards for as a parent. All of these things can then trigger eating. And this is why perfectionism is such a good topic to talk about. And it's something we do coach around a lot inside the Stress Eating SOS coaching sessions. So the perfectionism, though, what are we making it mean to start is a big piece of the puzzle. But then also what we want to look at, and these are related but different, is how are we thinking about this process? So we have talked about this in some of these other sessions, is how are we thinking about the weight loss journey? If we're thinking... And a lot of you probably have this thought because this is something we've been taught that this weight loss journey is going to be really hard. Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose weight, but man, it's going to be hard and I'm going to have to really work on it. How likely are you going to do it? Like the, the way we're thinking about what it's going to be like to start is going to influence whether or not we start. 
or how it feels to start. Like maybe if we're thinking it's going to be so hard, I'm going to have to put so much energy in. We start, but we kind of start with like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this because I'm pretty busy otherwise. And then the first time something comes up, it's much easier to be like, well, I just, I can't do it. It's too hard. And I think we've all been there in our weight loss journey. What we want to work on is letting ourselves start in a way that is actually manageable in a way that when we look at it, we're like, yeah, I can do that. And with a collection of thoughts around it that make ourselves want to start. And I can't tell you what these thoughts are, but what you want to do is just pay attention and notice the thoughts you're having about the changes you're making. Decide, okay, are these thoughts making it easier to make the change or are they making it harder? Does anybody have any thoughts they've come up with that they're like, oh, I like thinking about my weight loss this way. This is making it easier. Type in the chat if you've come up with any because it's super helpful for other people to see them. The default ones I think that we're kind of gifted through our diet culture are it will be hard. It's going to take a lot of deprivation. It's going to take a lot of restriction. Uh, it, you're going to need some willpower. You're never, ever going to be allowed to eat the food you love. Okay? These are the thoughts that we've been given, defaulted to. And that's why I talk and a lot of what I talk about in this challenge is essentially gifting you different thoughts. And when I talk about ease, like can you find a way of doing it that feels, that gives you a bit of sense of ease? That's a different thought, right? Like you can say, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to let it feel, I'm going to work on finding ease. That would be a different thought to approach uh, weight loss with. I really like the thought, and I've talked about this in some of the other uh, sessions, is I'm figuring it out. This was a super powerful thought for me throughout my weight loss journey. And even still, when I encounter obstacles, because even once you've lost your weight, it's you never hit a point where you're just like, oh, I never, I don't have to think about that stuff ever again. You have to just always be aware and notice. And so new obstacles do come up. There's new things in life, like a pandemic. The pandemic threw off a lot of people's weight who had lost weight and been maintaining it. And then the stress of the pandemic came up and it triggered a lot of old habits. And so it's learning the long-term process is learning how to problem solve as you go and not being upset about problem solving, not being upset about encountering another obstacle. And so the thought I've used and continue to use is, so, okay, I'll figure this out. Along the way, I'm going to figure this out. Even when I was sitting in the drive-thru eating the Wendy's French fries that I've talked about, that were such a big pull for me and I'd worked so hard on trying to figure out, that's what I would talk to myself about is, okay, like I'm here again. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to keep working on figuring this out. Even when I was um, uh, there. And uh, yeah, Penny, you're saying the 10 thoughts and uh, I can do anything I put my mind to. And Penny, is that um, from the meditation or is that from the powerful weight loss thoughts uh, the sort of free thing that I've given out can't remember which one deciding it's a marathon and not a sprint I think that's really good yeah Andrea I like that uh, I can start with just adding a glass of water before I eat anything so looking for and we're going to talk more about that about the simple low-hanging fruit ways of making change doing it all at once does not mean you're going to be more successful especially if it equates to not being consistent and having these ups and downs. If you build momentum slowly, but you do it in a way that feels manageable, you work on your thoughts so it feels good, that's going to give you far more chances of that long-term success that we're all looking for. And Joanne, you were saying my body feels good when I ate that. Yeah, I like that too. Like I really like when I when I eat healthy stuff, reminding myself like, oh, this actually feels good to eat. Like it's nice texture. I like the flavor. And then afterwards, like, oh, I felt really good after I ate that. And I do the opposite, too. If I eat food that doesn't feel so good, I remind myself. I'm like, oh, that didn't feel so good. It sounded like it was going to taste good. It sounded like it was a good idea. But afterwards, it didn't feel so good. Um, again, and you'll notice that way of talking about it isn't about the food being bad or good, right? Like, it's not like I shouldn't, I was bad to eat it. It's just like, oh, interesting. Like, it sounded like it was going to be a good idea, but it just didn't actually feel the way I wanted it to feel. Yeah. And so the, the powerful weight loss thoughts, pending is what you're talking about. Nice. Um, there is, um, 
because uh, I can't remember the link for that freebie if anybody wants it that doesn't have it. But if you listen to episode 49 and 50 of the podcast, they're, they're kind of a, a dual set. One is more of the limiting thoughts that we might have. And then the other one is powerful thoughts. And that's been one of the most popular episodes all along. So if you haven't listened to those podcast episodes, go and listen to them. They'll be helpful. Yeah, Mary, I've been through a lot and I'm badass. Ooh, I like that. How does that feel when you think that thought? Those um, difficulties have affected me, but now I can come, overcome all of this. I love it. And so, yeah, Marla, you're saying, what if the not so good food doesn't make you feel bad? Well, then you can look at other things to think about it. Like you can choose to think that was fantastic and I really loved it. Um, the problem is, is those thoughts will build more desire for that food. So if it's not that it physically just doesn't make you feel great, and you might, you know, you might want to just notice, because maybe there's some subtle things that the not so good food does that you may not have noticed. So just being aware and paying attention, like how do I feel when I eat this food? How do I feel the next day? And this, I say this because I would have told you like years ago, I feel fine if I eat this food, but it's over the years of noticing, like if I'm eating food with sugar in it for, you know, days, like my mood gets lower, I need naps, I get headaches more, like I've noticed all these kind of longer term things um, that then I've, I can use when I'm talking to myself. But you can also see if you can come up with other reasons why you don't want to be eating the food. Um, another way of doing it is while you're eating it, because a lot of the food that sounds so good and we're like, I really want to eat this. It's going to be so delicious. If you stay actually present, like if you take a mindfulness approach to eating of that food, so you focus on enjoying it. Cause I really believe if you are going to eat the food, like the sort of not so good food or the, um, less healthy food, if you're making a food choice, I, I really encourage you enjoy it. Uh, like, don't just eat it mindlessly and try and get through it because we think we can't eat it. Give yourself permission to eat whatever you want, um, but then have reasons why you make certain food decisions. So if, if you'll notice what I'm saying is not go out and eat anything, but I live a life where I have permission to eat whatever I want. I If I decide I really want something, I eat it and I don't worry about it. But I have a structure of reasons of why I generally don't just eat anything. And that kind of comes back to what I was just saying, like, yeah, the sugar stuff sounds good. And yet I know it has this impact on me, like on my mental health, on my energy, on my sleep, um, all of these things. And so I have reasons, but it's never about I can't or like that food's bad and that food's good. It's just about, you know, it just doesn't serve me in the way that I want it to. Um, I hope that helps. I know that's kind of a really big topic. Uh, and it's, I think, probably a new topic for you guys of like, that we, if you can give yourself that's bad, I can't eat it, um, type thinking, you worry, you're going to go crazy on the food. But the reality is, often you feel more in control. A lot of the thinking of like, I'm not allowed to eat that, I shouldn't eat that, it actually creates more desire for the food um it creates more overeating it sets you up so when you take away and you just give yourself permission like if i'm going to eat low carb but if i really want to eat some ice cream with my kids then i choose to eat ice cream but i recognize i don't do that very often but that feels way better than when i start a low carb diet i can never ever eat ice cream again you guys see the difference and so by telling myself i could eat ice cream anytime i want but i know why i don't eat it regularly it means it's, you know, a couple times a year thing that I eat ice cream with the kids. Um, okay, a little bit off track, but what we're going to do now is talk about keystone habits. Oh, and I think the other thing when we're talking, just before we leave the whole thoughts idea, when we're talking about starting and talking about having thoughts about starting that are getting in our way and they make it harder, like you think it's going to be so hard, I don't know if I can do this, I've you know, failed the other times, that would be another set of thoughts we often bring forward. What Those thoughts then make it harder to start. But then what do we actually do? We beat ourselves up for not starting, right? So we then beat ourselves up that, well, look, like you're, you said you're going to start, you haven't started is kind of the conversation we might have with ourselves. That creates another layer of 
discomfort and negativity that then makes it harder to start. Um, and so it's just interesting to notice if that comes up for you and notice that the beating yourself up makes it harder to take the actions you want to be taking. That's true in any area of weight loss. Beating yourself up makes it harder. So what we're going to talk about is keystone habits. So when we're thinking, I want to start losing weight, I want to make all these changes. It feels like there's a lot of things that need to happen. But the reality is that's probably not true. Often it's like one or two things that need to change. And if you start doing those things, other things fall into place. So for me, my example would be if I've been eating, you know, other food and I'm like, okay, I just need to get that back to my normal. Um, my brain will want to look at the food and be like, okay, like, how are you going to, you need to make sure that you got some salads and like, it'll get very food focused, which is normal. But what I've learned over the years is what I actually need to do is I don't need to just focus on the food. What I need to focus on is getting back to my journaling. Because usually, if I'm eating food I don't normally eat, and I'm, you know, feeling more stressed and stuff, it's part of what uh, I what I probably haven't been doing is my journaling. So if I go back to journaling, and I just start my day with, like, all I have to do is just journal, I don't have to worry about getting back on track or anything like that. That act of journaling, that act of sitting down and writing what's in my mind, kind of getting my thoughts straight, I always think of it as getting my head on straight, then that creates the mindset that makes the change easier to do. So for me, my journaling is my keystone habit. If things aren't going well for me, I don't have to focus on changing everything about my diet. What I have to focus on is, okay, I just need to start journaling. And then it becomes so much easier to change my food choices and make the meal plan and get the groceries in the house and all that sort of stuff. Um, so looking and thinking, you know, what could the keystone habit be for you? Maybe it's, um, you know, you go for a walk, like you just do a little bit of self-care. Maybe it's you order groceries. So you get groceries in the house so that you've got healthy options. Um, you know, it can be a lot of different things, but it's figuring out for yourself. And you may not come up with this answer today. But you just figuring out for yourself, what is it that then helps make it easier for you to make change? Um, and these, like you may think it's too small, right? Like that keystone habit, it's too little, it's not going to make a difference. But the reality is it will. Um, and it's probably going to make more of a difference than thinking everything needs to change at once because that keystone habit becomes easier. Like it's, you want to choose a habit where even on your most busy, tired days, you could get yourself to do it. So this is a little bit of a brief action planning approach is when you decide, okay, this is what I'm going to do. You then ask yourself, how um, confident are you that you can do it? Um, and that's how you uh, decide, is this kind of a low enough step to be able to do it. So if you, you know, decide, okay, this is my plan. And then you're like, how confident I'll be, will I be able to do this? And you're like, eh, it feels like it's going to be hard. Then dial it back a bit. Choose something that you actually are confident you will be able to do. And then you build self-efficacy by doing it. Um, and so, John, you asked, what do you do with the uh, journal entries? In general, I just, the, the benefit is in the writing of like, here's what's in my brain, but what do I actually want to focus on is kind of the approach I use. So I don't necessarily read them over. There's the odd one where I'll read them over, but most of the time it's just write, write them and never read them again. Um, you can even, if you don't want anybody else to read them, you can write them and uh, shred them or write them on a, you know, an iPad or something and delete it. I think the benefit in the process is the actual writing. Um, hi, Shirley. Um, okay, so what I want you to do kind of your homework for this topic is to think, okay, what are a couple of keystone habits I can do? And type them in the chat if you've already figured them out. For you, what would be, you know, just really basic things that you can focus on coming back to? And then another one is how do you want to think about your weight loss training? How do you want to think about the changes that you're making um, in a way that makes it easier to make them? See if you can come up with any thoughts. And again, if you have them already, type them into the chat. Uh, 
Otherwise, just think about it over the next days. Think, okay, what could my keystone habits be? What could those uh, low-hanging fruit changes be that actually build momentum to the other changes I want to make? Let's talk about measuring progress. How do we measure progress in weight loss? Well, pretty much 100% the scale. And that's even when we as physicians, like we can tell ourselves all the ins and outs of using the scale for the measurement, we still, our brain still values the scale above all else. And this is just really important to notice because it creates a lot of issues. A scale is one dimensional. Uh, it's like, like I talked to, um, I've coached physicians on about this is, you know, when, when they're really having difficulties getting their mind off of the scale number, because remember, like think through how the scale impacts you. So if it's moving in the direction you want, that generally is helpful, but even that can trigger eating, right? Like you can have the, you can be like, Oh, like I've lost so much weight. I can eat whatever I want and then end up, you know, maybe overeating. But if it's moving in the, in the right direction, generally it helps. You feel more motivated. The problem is when the scale doesn't do what you think it should do, what happens then? Well, like it can destroy your day. It can destroy your week. It 100% can influence your eating. You can get defeated, you know, feel like you're failing, even if you've got a whole lot of evidence of everything else going well. Like you're, you're making changes, you're eating consistently, you're doing all this other stuff. But then when the scale doesn't move, we disregard the evidence of all that other stuff going well and put the weight on the scale. That's bad. <laughs> but that's what we do. And it's because we've been taught to do that through diet culture. But the problem is, is it messes you up. It'll, it can make you throw out all that good stuff that you've been doing instead of staying with it and staying consistent. Um, that's where putting too much weight, too much focus on the scale can get in your way. Think about this analogy in medicine, right? Like a scale would be like a chest x-ray. It's one dimensional. It tells you gravitational pull on earth. That is it. Would you want to diagnose something significant in a patient's chest based on solely a chest x-ray? You know, all those nipple shadow things that we get reports back about? Would you want to only have that chest x-ray and have to decide, do you treat that or not? What do you want to make that mean? No, of course not. Because we would say it's one dimensional. We would say, okay, we need more information. So then what would we do? We would order a CAT scan. The CAT scan is, you know, multidimensional. We get so much more information from it. And that really helps us understand what was going on in the chest x-ray. So the reason why I'm using this example is the scale is like a chest x-ray. It is one dimensional. And yet we use it to diagnose our weight loss efforts all the time without looking at the CAT scan, without looking at all the other information. And so what I want you to do is start recognizing when your brain wants to do that and shift it back to other measures of progress. And that's why in the course part of this challenge, I have part of your homework is coming up with at least two other ways you're going to measure your progress beyond the scale, because we need to create more dimensions to the measurement of your progress. The other thing about the scale is to notice that um, our brain wants to connect. When we step on a scale in the morning, it wants to think that that number is directly influenced by what happened yesterday. And that's not true either. It might be what happened multiple days ago. It might, you know, like the, our body isn't that linear. So it's not what we ate yesterday shows up on the scale today. It may take, you know, when you make food changes, it might take days or weeks to actually make a change. If you ate, you know, more carbohydrates than you usually do a couple days ago, it may still be showing up on the scale today, even if you're really careful with your eating yesterday. Um, that's a, a thought error that we use when we're thinking about the scale is we think, how we ate yesterday is what causes the number today. And that's not true. That's an oversimplification. So the um, what we want to think about is using the scale as a tool. So it's meant to be a tool. It is not meant to define us, 
our success, our worth, our body's worth, any of the other stuff that we let the scale define us. It's meant to be a tool to gather data. And the data is your gravitational pull on Earth. The data, you'll notice that that data has nothing to do whether or not you're going to be successful. It's just simply in that particular moment, it's your gravitational pull on Earth. And so holding on and really working on this about that it's data, it's simply your gravitational pull on Earth, uh, is a really important part of long-term weight loss so that you aren't getting kind of thrown into these big waves based on just what the number of the scale said. If the scale isn't moving, what you want to do is stay consistent with what you've been doing. And if it's not moving over weeks, then you tweak with what you've been doing but you don't change at all. But that consistency is so important. And when we put all the uh, focus on the scale, it affects the consistency of our eating and the consistency of everything else that we're doing. So how else do you measure progress? Well, there's a lot of different ways, but um, some that I came up with is focusing on the habit changes that you're making. Um, so even, you know, if the scale's not moving, but you know that you've been cooking more, you know that you've been, you know, eating more whole foods, you know that you've been writing down your food, whatever habit it is that you've been working on, that's a bigger measure of progress than what the scale is actually saying. You may not see the um, input of the scale for a while after. Um, not binging. This came up in the Facebook group of somebody who was saying, you know, they haven't had a binge this week, which is fantastic. And that's a way bigger measure of progress than what the scale says. Um, you know, if you have binge eating and you struggle with that, um, it really impacts that consistency that I've been talking about. And so just if you can bring the frequency or the severity of your binges down, um, that ultimately will start having impact on your weight. It may take a while and that's okay. So uh, a big different topic, but um, it's a, you know, seeing changes in how you're approaching food in that way is a huge win. It's a huge measure of progress. Um, handling difficult situations without eating. So if you notice, oh, interesting, I had like, you know, stressful conversation with a colleague. Normally that would trigger me to go look for snacks and I didn't. That's a big win. That's big progress. Um, making better choices. So, you know, even if the scale's not moving, but you look and you're like, but I've been eating way healthier. That's progress. Those are changes that will help over time. You know, maybe it needs tweaking or maybe it just needs more time. If you remember what I've talked about, about the body being this black box, that you're, you're putting inputs in that you're happy with. It may just take time for the black box to give you the output that you're wanting to see. Um, body measurements. I think this is really powerful because lots of times, um, and in my obesity medicine, I see this a lot because just it's a bigger group where you know the scale isn't moving for months and yet when they're tracking body measurements they're losing like significant inches even though the scale hasn't moved um and so having another measure to give you another dimension like your body measurements is really important how your clothes are fitting is another one um your physical activity and tolerance so it, you know if you're getting more active if you're having more tolerance you're feeling physically better in your body that's progress and again, don't let a, the scale number take that away from you or undermine that. And then another one I came up with was more energy, not needing naps um, as much or having more energy when you get home to actually do the fun stuff, like not feeling quite so exhausted when you get home. All of those are measures of progress. Does anybody have any other ones? I was just brainstorming some this morning before I came in. If like, how else could you measure your progress? Um, Drinking water, like just measuring, like, am I drinking enough water? That could be a measure of progress. I know for myself, drinking water makes a difference to how my brain approaches food. If I am drinking water throughout the day in the good amounts, my brain is just quieter. And so I think it's like a thirst that doesn't feel like a thirst. Like it just triggers my brain to look and think about food a lot more. The big thing when we're talking about this, about measuring progress is valuing these measures of progress as highly as the scale number. So not letting your brain tell you that for some reason, the scale trumps all of that, because that's not true. That's a faulty thought that we've been handed down and given through diet culture. 
these other measures of progress that I listed off, I think are more powerful and more important than simply what your gravitational pull on earth is on a particular day. Um, and you can work on using both. It's just, if you're using the scale and if you've struggled with the scale and thoughts about the scale, you need to work actively on how you're thinking about it so that it doesn't start controlling you or changing your day, changing your week, all that sort of stuff. Okay. Questions and thoughts. I see Amanda, you're saying being kinder to yourself and not being as critical. Yeah. And so the question for that, so any of these measurement techniques, how you're going to measure progress, you want to think, how could I actually measure it? And so Amanda, can you think of a way you could measure that? I'm wondering, like you could even create a little scale, like a one to 10 scale of like, how kind was I to myself today? Because then that would give you, you know, measurable data of, is this improving over time? Um, any other questions or thoughts? For those of you who joined a little bit late, watch the replay because we talked about the, um, we talked about how to actually get started, what gets in our way of starting and making change, which is a really important topic. Uh, and then we've been talking about how to measure progress and kind of how misusing the scale can get in, get in our way. Um, yeah, and so whatever you, you use for measuring your progress, you just want to ask yourself, how will I know? Because that's the thing, like the scale is very concrete. Like you can take those numbers, you can graph them, right? And maybe that's partly why our brain really hangs on to those numbers. So then whatever else you're using, make it concrete. So measurements are concrete, right? You can tell if they're changing because the numbers are changing. Um, and so think of other things like, you know, number of, uh, like you can look at it and go, okay, out of the three meals I planned for today, you know, how much did I stick to my plan? That You could look at that and assign sort of a number to it. So it becomes more concrete where you can tell, is it actually changing? Our brains are really good editors. Um, and so just having some measure of concreteness can help if your brain is wanting to kind of edit and modify and tell you kind of different things about what's actually happening. Just okay. Human brains are fun. All of this, I find this stuff so fascinating. That's why I do this work. Um, because it is so fascinating about how our brains work and approach the world and how we can actually work on that and modify it and start seeing the results that we want in our life by modifying how our brains are working. And what I love about this too is we're talking a lot about weight loss, right? But when we start shifting and making these different thoughts about this stuff, what you will notice is it will have ripple effects in the rest of your life. All the other areas of your life get better when you start doing this work. Like, you start to enjoy your days more. You don't get stressed out at work as much. Relationships get a little bit easier. There's so many different things. And, and it all comes along with, you know, eating healthier, working on your weight and all that stuff. Whereas no diet does that, right? Like in general, diets kind of make our lives a little bit worse. Whereas this, using our brains as the powerful tool they are, it actually makes everything else better. And I love it. I get really excited by it. All right. I don't see any other questions coming up. Um, oh, nice, Andrea. That's so nice. So, yeah, partners noticing it. And that's pretty common where partners are like, the atmosphere has, in our home has changed since starting coaching. Um, that's really powerful. And I think it's good, right? I always think it's best, like the most powerful is how we feel. But like when you actually start getting feedback from your partner too, that uh, they're noticing changes. Um, I think that's really powerful. Um, okay, I don't see any other questions coming up. So the next session is Wednesday. I believe it's Wednesday morning, but check your calendars. It's on there. Um, and that one we're going to be talking about next steps. And so kind of like, how do you take everything we've been learning and keep applying it and keep working on it? And, you know, where are some areas that you might tri get tripped up? And just as a reminder, especially for those of you who joined late, if you're not, uh, if you are contemplating joining Stress Eating SOS, so Stress Eating SOS is the coaching program, three-month physician-only coaching program. Uh, registration opens next weekend. But in the meantime, you can join the waitlist at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca 
forward slash SOS. And I'm offering a free actual coaching session tomorrow night. So coaching session is a bit different than this. It's not so much teaching. It's more letting people bring, you know, what they're working on, what they're struggling with and coaching directly, helping directly. Um, and so that can be really powerful. And if you've wondered, like, what is this? Would I like it? Would it be helpful? Is it worth it joining a coaching program? I'd highly encourage you to join the waitlist so you can try out that coaching program tomorrow. That's tomorrow night at 5 or 5.30. I can't remember which right now, uh, Pacific time. So that would be 8 or 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. But if you join, you'll get emails today and tomorrow about it. All right. And that waitlist is uh, no obligation. Like uh, It just lets you get first to know when registration opens and you get some bonus, um, exclusive bonuses for being on the waitlist. It doesn't mean you have to join Stress Eating SOS. Though, honestly, if you're enjoying what I've been teaching you, I'd highly encourage you to consider joining. I'm very proud of the program. It really makes a difference in the physicians' lives who are in it. Um, and that, that ripple effect I've talked about today, I think it's hard to imagine when you're sitting here, but it can have such profound effects on every area of your life that universally the feedback I get from the program is everybody would recommend it to their colleagues. All right, guys, have a fantastic day. Happy long weekend. And then we'll see you on Wednesday. So some really good stuff in that episode. I know it's not like the big glamour stuff in weight loss, but honestly, the stuff I taught you in this episode is really powerful and could really change your experience with weight loss and really help you towards your goal. It's a few of the big barriers that we encounter when we're trying to lose weight um, is what I've taught you in this session. So what are you going to take away from it? What are you going to apply to your life over the next days? Pick something and set an intention for yourself. Don't forget to access a course if you haven't already, weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash kickstart. Uh, that has all the extra information in it. It complements everything that I'm teaching in these sessions and gives you kind of like a nice little place to hold it all. That's weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash kickstart. All right. Have a fantastic day, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.